We're in week three of a series called Kill the Spider. And what we've been talking about the last several weeks is how the enemy has been using the same tactics throughout years and years and years to ensnare people, to trap people, to destroy people. And throughout the centuries, Christians have identified the seven main tactics. Almost every other sin will fall into one of these seven categories, the seven main tactics of how the enemy entices us and traps us and destroys us. And and there have been books written about these seven main tactics. Their books are called the seven deadly sins. We, we, we're calling them the seven deadly spiders. And what we are wanting to do is to kill those spiders before they kill us. We've already talked about pride. We've talked about envy. And today we're going to study a spider that no one believes they're affected by. There are men in Africa who trap animals for zoos here in America, and one of the animals they say that for most people are difficult to trap is the ring-tailed monkey. But the locals there know how to capture this animal because they figured out what the animal likes, and the animal likes these melon seeds. And so what they do is they cut a little small hole into the top of that melon, and the monkey puts his hand inside the melon and grabs a handful of seeds, and, and then the monkey can't get his hand out the melon. The, the, the monkey's hand is stuck, and the monkey will not let go of those seeds. The monkey has to have those seeds and will not let go and will wrestle with this melon for hours, and, and then they come up behind the monkey, sneak up on it, and they capture the monkey. Let go of the seeds. But the monkey won't do it. And a lot of us are like that monkey. We just have to have it. We have to have it. We have to have it. We won't let go. We have to have it. And the enemy sneaks up behind us and traps us and ensnares us and begins to destroy our life. Today, I want to talk to you about the deadly spider of greed. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12, and today if you have your Bible or maybe a phone with you that has a Bible on it, you can flip over or pull up your Bible app, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21 today. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21 today. Let's pick up reading in Luke 12, verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, watch out, be on guard. And we are on guard in several areas of our life. Many people have a home security system to to protect and to guard their home. Many people have a security system on their car to guard their car. We guard our stuff, but Jesus says be on guard against all kinds of greed. And a big problem is most people aren't on guard against greed because they don't think they struggle with it. We, we, we see corporate greed. We see greed in the workplace. We, we can even see and recognize greed in other people, but most people don't see greed in themselves. I, I, I've never, ever, ever had someone confess to me that they struggle with greed. 
I've, I've, I've heard a lot of things. I've, I've had people tell me, I mean, about the, just wild things, things that you can only imagine. They've, they've talked with me about. But I can't ever remember anybody ever coming up to me and saying, Pastor, I'm struggling with being greedy. Pray for me. It's hurting my life. No one's ever done that. And what's fascinating about this is Jesus warns his followers about greed more than sex. Yet nobody thinks they have a greed problem. You see, this sin is hidden so deep in our hearts that we don't see it. But greed impacts all of us in one way or another. Let me explain to you something about greed. Greed isn't about having stuff. It's okay for you to have money. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having a savings account or a retirement account. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home or a nice car. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Greed isn't about having stuff. It's about stuff having you. And stuff has gripped the life of a lot of people. They're controlled by stuff. They make all their decisions based on stuff. Greed involves the love of money. It's about the obsession of accumulating material goods. And here's the real issue with greed. Greedy people have their happiness. They have their well-being. They have their identity tied to their possessions. So Jesus says, watch out. You got to be on guard against all kinds of greed because greed is a sneaky, deadly spider that comes in so many different shapes and so many different forms. And then what Jesus proceeds to do in Luke chapter number 12. He begins to give us a story that describes the signs of someone who has been bitten by the spider of greed. And I want us to identify these signs so that we can kill the spider of greed. And the first sign of a greedy person is they believe more is the answer to happiness. More is the answer to happiness. Notice back in Luke chapter 12, picking up in verse 16, it says, And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. This man said, I have more than enough. But since my life, since my identity, since my happiness, since my security, since my self-worth is wrapped up in my possessions, I have to have more. I need more. His internal happiness was based on his external possessions. He needed more to be happy. He needed more to be secure. He needed more to have value. So he tore down his barns and built bigger barns. And it's really easy for you and I to read this scripture and to look at this man and to judge him and to pick on him. But I think all of us struggle with greed from time to time. It's easy to fall into the trap of basing our happiness or our security or our self-worth in our possessions. It leads us to tearing down our barns and building bigger barns for all the wrong reasons. Anybody ever tore down barns and built bigger barns? I knew you wouldn't raise your hand. (laughs) But we've all done it. We've all tore down barns and built bigger barns, and even for the wrong reasons. You have 10 pair of jeans, 
but you're at the mall and you just got to have that 11th pair. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you just wouldn't be happy without it. You got 17 pairs of shoes. Come on, somebody. But you wouldn't, you're just not happy. You got to have a six, you got to have an 18th pair. You're not going to be happy unless you get it. Who's ever walked in their closet and said this? I don't have anything to wear. And there's stuff in there you hadn't worn for a year. But you got to go to the mall and buy you some more clothes. You got, I don't have anything to wear. You have a refrigerator full of food, but you go out to eat. Come on, you have a coffee maker, but still go to Starbucks. Come on, somebody. You have a car to drive. It runs just fine, but you have to buy another one because your coworker got one. You have an iPhone 7, but you got to have an 8. No, I got to have a 10. You have nails, but you need some new ones. You have hair. Pastor, you messing now. You, me you messing around now. You got hair, but you tear down your barns and build bigger ones. The enemy wants you to believe the lie that more is the answer to everything. He wants you to believe that more will make you happy and satisfied. More will bring the inner peace that you're looking for. Just a little bit more, and then you'll be content. It's a lie from the evil one. Contentment is not about the condition of your bank account. It's about the condition of your heart. Paul says this as he writes to the church of Philippi inspired by the Holy Spirit in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul said, I have dealt with this spider of greed, and I have learned how to conquer the thought that my value is tied to my valuables. I've learned to conquer the thought that my self-worth is tied to my net worth, that my happiness is connected to what's happening with my possessions. I've dealt with this spider of greed. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've been in, in, I've been in both positions before in life, he says. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's what Paul is simply saying. He's saying that he who is greedy is always in want. The greedy will never be content. People's church contentment doesn't come from cash. Security doesn't come from surplus. Rest doesn't come from riches. Satisfaction doesn't come from stuff. Listen, money can buy a bed but not sleep. It can buy food but not an appetite. It can buy medicine but not health. It can buy amusement but not happiness. It can buy an acquaintance but not friends. It can buy obedience but not faithfulness. It can buy sex but not love. It can buy a house but not home. Contentment is not a matter of your possessions. It's a matter of your heart. And we kill the spider of greed by learning to be content with what we have, not, say, not allowing our heart to believe that our happiness, our security, our identity is tied to our possessions. Number two is this. The second sign of a greedy person is they believe they are an owner instead of a steward. I want you to notice this about this man in Luke chapter 12 and verse 17. It says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. 
Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll do what I want to do. I'm the boss. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. This man believed all that he had was his. He, he really thought he owned everything. He thought he called the shots. He thought he was the boss. He did not understand that God owns everything. Everything that he had was on loan from God. People's church, we are only stewards of what God has blessed us with. But when the spider of greed bites us, we start believing that we are an owner rather than a steward. We start believing that we call the shots. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God owns everything. He owns you and all your stuff. We are only stewards of what God has blessed us with. David said this in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. David recognized that everything that he had came from God Almighty. God's the owner. Friends, when we believe everything comes from God and belongs to God, we ask ourselves different questions. When we believe that God's the boss and that he is the owner, we operate differently. I, I, I tried to go to the gym three, four, five times a week and some weeks once a week. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. But I try to get there four or five times a week. And about three days a week, I try to do some cardio and I get on the elliptical, good for my knees and and I get on the elliptical, and I, I have a favorite elliptical. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the second one in. I don't care about the other 10. I want that one. <laughs> I go to the gym about the same time every morning. I know the same people, and yet somebody gets on my elliptical. <laughs> now, you know that's the elliptical I use. Why are you on my elliptical? You go to it work and how many of you got a favorite parking spot? Maybe you go to the grocery store and you got a favorite parking spot at the grocery store. And you know what? You pull up to work and somebody's in your parking spot. You walk into work, you start rolling your eyes at everybody. Whose car is that in my parking spot? Come on, the worst thing is we come to church. We sit in the same seat every week and nobody better sit in my seat. You're in my, I know you're lost. You don't know Jesus. You're going to hell, but you're in my seat. You don't own that seat. You don't own that parking spot at work. You don't own that elliptical at the gym. Somebody else owns that, and you got to abide by their rules. And you don't own your car. And you don't own your home. And you don't own your clothes. You don't own your bank accounts. You don't own your retirement. God does. And since God is the owner, we have to consult him before we make financial decisions. But you know what greedy people do? Greedy people think they're the owner. So they don't consult God about their financial decisions. They don't talk to God. I want to ask you a few questions. And I want you to be honest with yourself. I really want you to ponder for the next few moments if greed may 
have trapped your heart, if you have been bitten by the deadly spider of greed, I want you to think about this as I ask these questions to just think about your life. Do you consult God and his word about your financial decisions? Before making major purchases and major financial decisions, do you pray? Do you ask God what he wants you to do? And when God speaks to you, to your heart, through his word, through his spirit, do you do whatever God says? If God told you to give away your car, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. If God told you to give away your clothes, he told you to give away another possession that you have, would you obey God because it's his stuff? My wife and I have been in this position on several occasions. I remember back in our early to mid-20s, we bought our very first car with cash, a Ford Taurus, green. I know you would think it's ugly, but it was paid for. Come on, somebody. And I remember several years later, God spoke to us about giving that car away to someone. We could have made several thousand from the car, but we, we gave it away. We bought another vehicle, paid for, and God spoke to us to give away an SUV to someone. Uh, it wasn't the nicest SUV, but it was paid for. Come on, somebody. It was ours, but ultimately belonged to the Lord. And God spoke to us about giving it away. It's not ours, it's his, so we do whatever God says to do. Are you an owner or are you a steward? Do you think what you have is yours or do you know that it belongs to God and you do whatever God says to do? Some of you, are greed has trapped your heart and you got to get out of the driver's seat and get God in the driver's seat of your possessions and you get in the passenger seat because God is the boss and he calls the shots. We kill greed by making God the boss. Number three is this. I want you to see a third sign of a greedy person from this text. And number three is this. They are consumers. They are consumers. Notice in Luke 12, verse 19, it says, And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That this man was consumed with himself. Did you notice that? I mean, as you read this text, he was consumed with spending on himself. He was consumed with saving for himself. He did not think about anybody else. It never crossed his mind that maybe God had blessed him with all of this stuff so that he could be a blessing to someone else. It never crossed his mind that just maybe God had given him more than enough not just to consume everything for himself but to contribute it it and be a blessing and to help other people. It never crossed his mind. You see, when people get bitten by the spider of greed, they think all of their blessings are just for them. But people's church, as Christ followers, God has blessed us not just for us, but to be a blessing to others. God wants us to be generous towards others, to help others, to bless others. That's one of the keys to killing the spider of greed. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25 says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others, who bless others, who help others will themselves be refreshed. We kill greed by being generous. 
And many people, I want you to catch this, many people feel generous. They feel like they're generous because they hear about a need, and from time to time, they give to meet that need. But generosity is not a feeling. Generosity is not spontaneously giving to someone in need every once in a while. Thank God for when the Spirit prompts us to be generous from time to time. But generosity is not about spontaneity. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's planned. Generous people are intentional with their generosity. Do you have a plan to be generous? Is it actually in your monthly budget? To be generous, you don't get generous by accident. You might get spontaneously by accident, but you will not become generous by accident. If you don't have a plan to be generous like that ring-tailed monkey, you got to have the seeds and you're holding on and you're trapped and you're trapped and the enemy is in hot pursuit of you, ready to capture you and to wreak havoc in your life. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 9 says, the generous will themselves be blessed. For they share their food with the poor. People search God blesses people who live a lifestyle of generosity rather than a lifestyle of greed. Generous people are blessed by God. And People's Church, I want to thank you for being a generous church. We know what it is to be a blessing to other people. That's why we do things like the Day of Hope and the thousands of you serve and uh, give and you're a part of making a difference in the lives of other people. And we literally serve thousands of people with backpacks and, and school supplies and, and haircuts and medical and dental assistance. We are a blessing to other people. That's why we're doing the Big Give again. Last year we did the Big Give in December. We're going to do it again this year where our church provides thousands of Christmas presents for people who will not have Christmas, uh, underprivileged families. Why? So that we can be a blessing to other people. God blesses a generous church. That's why we support missionaries all around the world. We spend thousands of dollars, invest thousands of dollars into foreign missions to help the gospel get spread all around the world. That's why we invested thousands of dollars to the hurricane victims in, 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 in South Carolina and North Carolina, and we partner with Con Royal Hope and giving thousands of dollars at the church. Why? Because we believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why every month we've give thousands of dollars to help churches get started all around America and the world. Not our churches. These are just other churches. Men and women with a dream from God to start a church to reach lost people who are far from God. People's church, thank you. Because this Sunday, because of your tithing and your giving, we are starting our eight the 800 church, 800 churches that we've started through the Association of Related Churches because of your generosity and making a difference. We are blessed to be a blessing, and we kill the spider of greed by being generous. I want you to see the fourth sign of a greedy person, and that is this. They don't make God their number one priority. Notice this in Luke chapter 12, verse 20. It says, but God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. All you've been thinking about is yourself and storing for yourself and saving for yourself, and your life's going to be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. That This man was being rich towards himself, but was not being rich towards God. 
greed always shows up with a lack of generosity towards God. When greed enters a person's heart and our hearts get full of greed, they don't tithe to the Lord. They don't give God the first 10% of their income to the local church where they worship. You know what happens? They, some people, they'll, they'll start tithing, but they end up stopping. Why? Because they got to spend it on themselves. They mean, I've got I've, I've to take this money and spend it on myself. I've got to have me some, uh, you know, another car or some, some more clothes or eating out or, or an iPhone or, or that cable bill or, or that nice vacation. Greed always keeps people from being generous towards God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 says, honor the Lord. Be rich towards the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. He says, listen, God will provide for you. And your vats will, will, will be bursting with wine. The Bible teaches us, be rich towards God. Don't just think about yourself. Honor God. Put him first. Make him your number one priority. Give God the first 10% of your income. Tithing will break greed off your life. I believe that's one of the reasons God tells us to tithe. He knew it would be a struggle for humanity. He says, put me first. Honor me. You don't want that spider of greed to bite you, to capture your heart. Tithe and break greed off your life. There were two thieves that broke into a store one night, late at night, and when the thieves broke in, they decided they were, they were not going to steal anything that night. They decided when they got in that store, they were going to switch the price tags around. And they saw a $6,000 ring, and they took the price tag off of it, and they saw a $100 ring, an imitation diamond, and they put it on the $100 ring and took the $100 price tag and put it on the $6,000 real diamond. They, they saw a painting hang on, hanging on the wall for $30,000. They took the price tag off of that, and they saw an imitation painting for $500, and they put it on that $500 one and grabbed the, 30, the, 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 the $500 tag, and they put it on the $30,000 painting. And they just switched the price tags around. That next morning when the store opened up, they just sat outside the store and they watched and they laughed their heads off as people paid $6,000 for an imitation ring and they paid, they paid, uh, they paid $100 for a, a real diamond and they paid $30,000 for a $500 painting, an imitation, and they laughed their heads off because they switched the tags. And in our culture, in our society... They've switched the tags. The enemy has switched the tags around. People say a new car is worth $40,000, but spending time with your family is worth $40. Don't spend time with your family. Just get all you can. Who cares about your family? Get all you can. They switched the price tag. Just get a nicer new home, and that's worth $300,000. Obeying God, worth $30. You don't need to obey God. Do what you want to do. Spend money however you want. Don't obey God. That's only worth about $30. They switched the price tag around. Getting more and more and more 
and more is worth a million dollars. Just get more and more. It'll make you satisfied. It'll make you happy. It'll make you content. That's worth about a million dollars. But being content with what you have is worth about $10. You don't be content. Just keep getting more. That'll really make you happy. They've switched the price tag around. And people's church, I'm here to tell you, switch the price tags back. Switch them back. Don't believe the lie of the world. The world is selling you a lie. It's an imitation. It's selling you. It's fake. It will not satisfy you. Switch the price tags back. Kill the spider by being content with what you have. Kill the spider by making God the boss. Kill the spider by living a lifestyle of generosity, by tithing and giving to people. Switch the price tags around. Because if you don't, the enemy will sit back while you spend $6,000 on an invitation. And he will sit back and laugh his head off. Switch the tax. Kill the spider of greed.